Here we go. Uh, Jonah, we just started this last week, caught. It's God's relentless pursuit of you. And it's intentionally you. It's not us. It's not them. It's not those guys. It's you. God is after you this morning. He's after your heart. And we talked about last week, just these three big moments in Jonah's life. When, when Jonah was a pretty big deal in his town, he had about, a, you know, about 100,000 Instagram followers. Um, his Facebook page was popping. Uh, he had the speaking tour of some major events. He was a big deal, and God called him to go to Nineveh. Nineveh is not a place he wanted to go. It wasn't the, it's, like, it's like going to Crandon. He's like, why? You know, why do I go there? Um, you know, oh, never mind. Um, you know, it's like, why? Why? Well, Crandon is not as, as bad as Nineveh because Nineveh was a, was a hell hole. Like, people were nasty there. Okay? And he called, called him and he said, Now, God, I don't want to go. And he used this turning point that could have been a turning point in his life to continue to hear the voice of God. And he used it as a quitting point. And he goes the other way. And says he goes out basically to the port, probably a 60 miles, three day walk. Um, out to the port where he's walking away from what God has for him. So he used this turning point and made it a quitting point. And then he did the next wrong thing. He just got on any boat. And when in doubt, don't get on boats you're not supposed to get on. Okay? Don't buy the ticket. Don't get on that boat. And not every boat in the harbor is your boat. Okay? So don't, don't be like, oh, God, look, at God provided for me this boat. Like, no, you shouldn't even be at the harbor. Now, the most nefarious uh, uh, illustration of this uh, kind of out there, and, and this is, happens more times than I would love to admit, I'll have guys or ladies that will come up to me and go, ah, Pastor, this is awesome. And they're like totally stoked. God provided for me this other spouse. Or God provided for me this person. And I'm like, what? You're in a marriage. Like, no, 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 no. Don't blame that on God. Well, he was here. He comforted me. He gave me peace. Like, no, wrong boat. Right? So, you know, like, that's obvious. But so many times we get on the wrong boat of anger, of lust, of greed, of pride. We get on these boats, and we should never get on them. Stay off the boat. But God's still pursuing you. And if you do get on the boat, as we talked about last week, and you're, the waves are, waves are turning, you're a little bit in uh, disarray, you're not really sure what's going on, you're like, God, where are you? You need to find the Jonah on that boat and throw him overboard. Okay? You need to pick up the Jonah and get rid of it. Now, when we were making this message series, like that phrase, like we were intentional with that throw Jonah overboard. We we're thinking, oh boy, I wonder if like people are going to then go, well, I'm going to throw my spouse overboard because they're a loser. Like, no, that's not what, like we kind of went into that going, oh boy, I hope people don't take that wrong. I'll just tell you this week we've had we've had more feedback from last week about throwing Jonah's overboard, uh, and it, and it was sometimes it is a, a bad relationship, many times it's just again your pride, it's your arrogance, it's your I got this God, and we have to find that. And usually we're not looking too much into this story, but it usually is like Jonah sleeping at the bottom of the boat, and all the hustle and bustle is going on. You got to dig deep to find what that thing is and get rid of it. Your addictions, your habits, your hurts, your hang-ups, all those things, throw them over. That's where we ended last week. It leads us to this idea of God is not giving up on you. Your ship might be going in the opposite direction. You think you're running. You think you're getting away. You cannot get away 
from God. And it wasn't until they recognized that Jonah was the problem. They stopped fighting. You know, we stopped, we started to try to row our boat. Kind of, we think we're going to do it to get away from the storms. We think we're going to, maybe we just get to shore. Maybe all those things. We fight the circumstances. But it was truly Jonah's disobedience that led this thing to happen. And so you throw it overboard. And this propels us to ask the question this morning, does God send the storms in your life because of your disobedience? And I think we all know the answer. He can and he will. He can and he will. Because sometimes these storms we face are storms usually of our own uh, of our own making because we found ourselves running from God. And these storms just keep raging in our lives. Why, why are we, I was fighting. Why are my kids this? Why? Like it's just storms raging in our lives and we have to figure it out. We have to find the Jonah, the disobedience, the times we are turning away from God. We want to turn towards him. We want to be like him. That's what the word Christian means. I don't know if you guys know that. It means Christ-like. It means to be in the likeness of him. So we say we're, we're like Christ. And we say, yeah, I'm a Christian. But it's this idea of continually pursuing this renewal with God. We want to move towards Him, not away from Him. But if you're walking away from God, I'll just tell you this. He will send storms. He's going to send storms, but it's His grace that does it. These aren't bad things. It's God's grace that sends storms. It's God's grace that then keeps us safe in these storms. It's God's grace that can calm the storms. It's God's grace that truly is amazing and we get to this part in the story view there yet i help give you a lot of time to find jonah right you there you also go to your version bible app we got them up on there on the events in jonah 1 17 the, the last verse of that chapter we were on last week now the lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow jonah and jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights god's grace prepared a big fish to pull Jonah up out of his mire. A great fish comes in many different shapes and sizes in our lives, right? It's this fish of grace that comes into our conversations when we're not where we're supposed to be and we get that phone call that stops us from doing what we should have not been doing. I've been there. I've been like, man, I'm like, I'm waking up. I'm going to do what I want to do today, God. And I start thinking, I start working it out. Like, I'm just going to. And you get the phone call. It's usually by some, one of you. Go, hey, I was just thinking about you. Oh, oh thank you. And it, what does it do? That's the fish coming. That's just not some random phone call. That's God saying, hey, I see you. Stop your little attitude. Stop your thinking that way. Stop going in that direction you're going. It's His grace that comes and pulls us out of it. And it comes in sometimes those tough conversations, those timely conversations that you had. It sometimes comes in closed doors and in open doors. It sometimes comes in super, super uncomfortable times of your life. But they typically show up when you're at your dead end. And a fish comes and swallows you up. God arranges many great fish in our lives to come and redirect your path. Many times. They swallow you up. That's what God does. 
maybe you need a great fish to even rearrange your life today. Maybe you're here today and you're like, I don't even know why I'm here today. It's a great fish moment to pull you up out of even this moment. God wants to arrange those things in your life. And we need to be caught up in it. Caught up in the grace that God offers you. We need to not live in this fear of what could happen, but truly be engulfed by this fish, whatever the fish is. So I love what we're talking about on Wednesday nights. We just started last week and we're talking about the fear of God for a couple of weeks and just this idea of, yeah, God could squash you. Yeah, he could just kind of flick you off the, the perpetual, you know, proverbial chessboard of life. He could. He could also destroy this whole area we live in. Like, that's the, our God. He is all-powerful. We should come to him with such great fear and reverence, like, oh my gosh, what is he going to do? What is he going to do? And then he also, as he says, all throughout Scripture, about fear me, but fear not. Why? Because I'm so passionately in love with you. I so want to draw you back home. I so want to come. And you think this big fish is coming down to go, ah, I'm going to get killed. No, it's grace there to save you. So fear not because I want to bring my grace to you. So what is grace? It's more than just a cool name for a church. We don't talk about it a lot. Grace, by the way, is our slogan name. Uh, we're a four-square church. We're going to get into that later on in a couple weeks. We're going to be talking about just who we are as a church. But just this, this idea of we want to be grace-built people. And this concept of grace is something even Paul, and as he's writing the New Testament, is just trying to develop and trying to figure out because they're coming out of the law and they're coming out of all these works and you have to go do these things. And all of a sudden this guy just comes and wants to just save us for no particular reason. Then we just kind of say, hi, we need help. No, that's, that's this grace, and, and it's a concept we have been uh, arguing about for a long time as a church. So we look at scriptures like Romans 6.1, and they're in your, your version Bible app. You can write them down, too. All of Romans, a lot of it is about this. Well, then, should we keep on sinning? So if you experience grace, like, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not, it says. And then in Romans 6.14, just to kind of paraphrase, we must live in the freedom then of God's grace and not obedience to the law. So now I've got to live in freedom, but I don't want to keep on sinning. What do we do? And then he says in Galatians, for no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. And then later on in Galatians, he says, I don't treat the grace of God as meaningless. This whole idea of just, just grace coming down upon us. It's a big deal. It is, by the way, the only way that salvation works. It's the biggest fish you'll ever get swallowed up by. But when you say to, to Christ, yes, I call upon you as Lord and Savior, it scoops you up from your eternal death sentence. But we struggle with it. Is it cheap? Is it limited? Can I use it one time? Not at all. Is it free? Does it come with strings attached? Do I have to follow some rules, some laws? What governs it? What happens? Can I take advantage of it? Can it be overused? Can it be underused? Can, does God know beforehand that if I'm like going to do something bad just so he can be graceful to me? God, what are you even doing up there? Because that person doesn't deserve it, and I do. What do we do? Do I accidentally kind of fall into this grace, or do I have to kind of just say some magical words for it? Do I have? To, what if I turn from God willingly? Will he take me back? What if I, is this just for some somebody special person, like somebody that really knows, and like God's got it all kind of figured out and he knows that Jonah's going to go do it. So you're like, you just got to, there's all these questions about 
this idea of grace? So many questions. I just want to ask one this morning. What do you do with God's grace? What do you do when you're caught in situations and salvation comes and eats you up? I think this story of Jonah in chapter 2, which we're in today, hopefully will give us some insight. And just from this first phrase that we read, God arranged a great fish. We see God's grace stepping in. We see Jonah, and he and he just remembers it. He, he remembers that he deliberately said no to God. He deliberately walked six, 60 miles away. He deliberately got on the wrong boat. God relentlessly pursues him. How many of you deliberately went the wrong way? Feel free to raise your hand. Say amen. Only five of you. Awesome. This message is for you. We deliberately do that. It was God's grace that then spawns this storm and God's grace that allowed these guys to chuck him overboard. God's grace that allowed him to struggle in the raging sea. It's God's grace that arranged this fish. So the question is, can you take, or isn't is, can you take advantage of God's grace? That's not a good question. That's already answered. It's endless. The question is, how do you respond? Not the person next to you, not your spouse, not your kids, not the guy that you don't care for. How, how do you respond to God's grace? And that's where we get here with Jonah. God's grace is continually processing to get Jonah home. And we see that in our lives. God wants us home. We see that all throughout Scripture. That's the whole point. We want to be in with the Father. God's grace is unrelentless grace will pursue you. And I guess I just want to say to you, just stop running. Get eaten by the fish. Get saved. Jonah 1.17, arranged the fish. Now we get into to the chapter 2. It says, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from inside the fish. Just pondering again, how, I wonder how long. Again, he's been gone for at least three days on a walk. He probably processed the whole, should I go to Nineveh or not, when he was in town. Like, that's probably a couple days, and he bails, and then he's on a boat. And, I mean, this weeks probably went by. And now he's in the fish for three days. Now, you can try to figure out how that all works biologically. I don't know. He was engulfed in this thing. Disobeying, he goes, finally, like, oh. I wonder if I should have a little conversation with the guy. And this is where we get his spiritual condition. Verse 2. Obviously written after the fact. He didn't have a pen and paper with him in the belly of the whale. His recollection of this moment, he says, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and the Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, Oh, Lord, you have driven me from your presence. Yet I will look once more towards your holy temple. I sank beneath the waves, and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountain. I was imprisoned. 
in the earth, whose gates lock shut forever. But you, O Lord my God, snatch me from the jaws of death as my life was slipping away. I remembered the Lord, and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on, on all their gods. Your God of mercy, for my salvation comes from you, God, alone. I guarantee you it wasn't right in that like I sank beneath the waves, the water. No! He was at the edge of death. God, grace saved him. And then how did he get out? Verse 10. The Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out on the beach. The word for spit or you know, come out, it really means literally to disgorge the contents of your stomach through the mouth. Puke. Throw up. And that's what God's grace is to some of us. It stinks. It's gross. It's vomit on the ground. It's repulsive. Ugh. How many of you, when you like, you know, you're a school bus driver, school people, when like when the kids throw up, you know, in the school, how many of you like dart the other way? You're like, I didn't see it. Trust me, Mr. Dis, I didn't see it. Somebody else could get it. Like, you want to get away from that. But God's grace is so amazing to those that are experiencing it. Grace is messy. It is repulsive. It is misunderstood. You're looking at it, but it's misunderstood by those looking in from the outside, not the person experiencing it. Yes, I got throw up and seaweed all over me. I'm laying partially naked on a beach, and you guys are all looking at me like, who's this guy that got thrown up on the beach? And he's like, I'm free! I experienced the grace of God. Now, not to be crude, but there's only two options of getting out of a fish. One's life and one's death. Jonah, three days. And we look at this prayer, and hopefully, again, this will dispel any... Um, uh, Sunday school flannel graph uh, you might have experienced growing up, like, is Jonah, ooh, ooh, throw him over. Or like John in the VeggieTale movie, which I think is one of the best, actually, depictions of VeggieTale. It's really cool. Uh, but, you know, they throw Jonah overboard, and he's floating on a little inner tube in the water, and you go, you know, the movie, movie, you know, music starts, and the whale comes, and he's floating there. And then he sits in the whale for a while, and then, of course, they sing a really cool song because there's a whole choir in the whale. Um, and, you know, they got him back, and, you know, he just, boom, spits him back out again. Really cool movie. Totally not accurate, but really cool. They get the point. Jonah's there. He's struggling for his life. He's being pulled to the bottom of the sea. I mean, these words... I'm troubled. The land of the dead, the ocean's depth, I sank to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I sank. I just love it. I had seaweed wrapped around my head. Who puts that in there? Why is a guy that's struggling to survive the roots of the mountain are completely around me? I'm, in, I'm imprisoned in this earth. The jaws of death are all around me. And then my life is slipping away. And what do I do? I remember. 
I remember God. Jonah is a goner and he knew it and he remembered. Friends, grace will let you sink really far. And that doesn't seem like nice. Why doesn't it always help me? It'll sink you pretty far. It'll allow you to feel the weight of the sea. It'll allow you to feel that pressure of that water. It'll allow you to feel the dread, the fear, the struggle, the battle. Grace did that for Jonah. Grace allowed him to sink all the way to the bottom where there was no way out. He couldn't say even the least bit. Hmm, I figured it out. I called my internal man. And I floated to the top. And then after I got to the top, I got some good breaths. And then I started swimming towards the shore. No! He was dead. And God's grace let him go there. And we got to get caught up in that. We got to get caught up in the grace of Jesus in our lives, in these moments of grace that we experience and do what Jonah did. You can take a note with us. Uh, he recognized it. He recognized God's grace. It says he threw him into the, the depths and he sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. And verse 4 says, Then I said, O oh Lord, you have driven me from your presence. Now we'll stop right here and um, say not everything in Scripture is, um, how can I say this without making some of you absolutely mad at me? Not everything in Scripture is uh, from God. So we can't say, oh, God, you know, see, there you go. Jonah said God did all of this. God drove him away. This was all God's master plan for life. This was a man grieving and now celebrating and all of those things. And he, in his estimation, God did all this. Now we know God didn't do really any of it. He made some really bad decisions. Jonah decided. Now, God caused the storm. Yes, God caused this fish. Yes, God, God allowed those things to happen. But this was a story of a guy that was constantly running from God. So do not, friends, go, I'm going to blame God. Now, you might, again, in your grieving and your passion, let God know. But I'll just tell you, probably remind you back, I didn't choose for you to walk away. Don't shift the blame to God in your life if bad things are happening. Sometimes it's just our own stupid stupidity. But what does God do? God takes those bad decisions and He rewrites your story. God is a creative God. Now, He probably didn't get too shocked that Jonah walked the other way. He knows Jonah. He knows the way Jonah's going to lead. He probably knew Jonah could choose this or do that. I'm not denying any of that. This is just knowledge of what is happening. But now he goes, I gotta reauthor your story, Jonah. I gotta keep uh, you all those conversations, all that walk. God was pursuing him. Don't do it, don't go. And sometimes again, God will allow that to happen. God's grace, God's hand was crafting this story for Jonah and for us. God wants to get you back. God wants you to come back home. 
He wants to catch you up. And the first thing you need to do is to recognize, I'm in a pickle. I need to stop running. I need to look back at these moments. I need to just recognize these are huge moments where I need the Lord to rescue me. And he arranged fishes in your life to do that. He did something when he was drowning. The moment he was sinking to the depths, he said these two things. Verse 4, he says, Yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. Verse 7, I will remember the Lord, and my earnest prayer went out to you. I'm recognizing I'm in a problem, and I have to now see it. And then reorient myself to God reorient myself back. I need to recognize I'm in a situation probably put out by me and God causing these things to happen, but i got to reorient myself back towards God. He's tossed into the sea, Jonah was. I love that part of the story. There's no, no practice the Olympic dive going on there. Uh, it was not a calculated jump. It was scary. His face down on the ground. Don't wait for calm moments in your life, friends. Don't go, well, maybe when all this settles down, then I'll kind of reorient myself back to God. You need to do it right now. You need to take these moments in your life to reorient yourself to Him. Um, just thinking about hunting and how many of you have been lost in the woods? Uh, like at night? Oh, man, ladies, thank you. I said the word hunting and lost. and you Were you hunting, Gene? Really? Oh, I didn't even know that. Um, here, I've been lost in the woods. And how many times do you look down at your GPS when you're lost in the woods? You should look at it pretty much all the time. That's your guide. You got to, you got to, you have to be like this. And I've been lost in the woods when, when I've, I, I, you know, my phone's dying because it's the end of the day, you know, and you're just out, your lights on, you're like going, oh dear God. So we're reorienting ourselves. To the Lord, and that's where this whole idea of grace. And then we see people like, why, why aren't they? Why aren't they looking at their compass? Why aren't they going to keep going to Jesus? Like it looks different for some people as others. And some people are like, yeah, their their heads down the whole time because they got they have to stay focused. They have to steer clear of everything in their life, and they have to reorient themselves to the Lord. So we want to recognize, and as Jonah did, just reoriented. I remember you, God. I remember you, uh, what you were about. I want to now call out to you. I'm caught up in your grace. My heart, my soul, everything in me is churning. And, and I have to recognize that the situation I am is not right. And I got to turn and reorient myself to you. And that's what we call in the church world repentance. That's why we say we want to we want to turn from where we're going. We want to say cry out to God and say, God, this situation I am is I'm in is not what I want. This isn't what you want. And I need to turn from it. And that then demands a response from us. That's the response, this repentance. You can recognize, man, I'm in a really bad spot here. And I, a lot of us live in that world. You're constantly walking around saying, I'm in a bad spot. You have friends like, right? Constantly, I'm in a bad spot. And you want to go, well, change, right? How many times do you want to hit somebody outside the head? Like, stop it. That's why I'm a bad physical therapist, Tim. Like, I just... I'm like, stop. Well, no, I mean, you gotta, it takes time and you want to reorient yourself to what God's doing in your life. 
but it ultimately demands a response. And that's where Jonah was. We get in verse 8 and 9. Super thankful. He had a heart of worship. It says, those who worship false gods turn their backs on all of God's mercies. But I will sacrifice to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill all my vows. My salvation comes from the Lord alone. And even before physical salvation, friends, we have an eternal salvation, and I'm not sure we grasp that all the time. We get, we get confused with all the other stuff going on in our lives. We start to battle with everything else. And we forget this is about an eternal salvation of turning our hearts towards God. Why? So that we can be with Him in heaven. We can not die and have death. We can turn our, our, our points to Him and go, Lord, we want to call upon You as Lord and Savior. I want to have this eternal uh, salvation. I'm talking to a, a, a person this week, a uh, community person, and, and uh, it was at their office, actually, and there were people walking in and out, and I don't know how we got, they were kind of complaining about their church a little bit, which I'm like the worst person to complain about your church with. I don't care what church you go to. I'm like, well, you probably don't. Yeah, I'm just like, yeah, you can't, like, well, you know, you know, they were just, well, about the, they make us dress this way and make us sing around. I'm like, oh, you know, you just, that's your family. You need to, you know, I'm just like, and finally I was like, you know what? I'm super sorry. The church has made this all about all of these things you just mentioned in the church, not your church, all of the churches. I said, because the reality is, like, that's like all side things. Like, they're just side stuff. Again, people are walking in and out. I said, because this is about, uh, this whole story is about a guy that says he's the son of God that came to the earth and, like, lived this sinless life and then, like, died and, like, rose again and he saved us from our sins. Like, that's what the story is about. I'm so sorry they made it about dress. And I'm so sorry they made it about, do you sing loud enough? Or do you, like, do you do the right things? I'm just like, and she goes, yeah. I go, yeah. And I must have said it like five different times. And people are walking in and out. And I'm like, I am so sorry, man. I can't even, like, thank you for even bringing this up because we get it off of what it's about. This is, like, we're worried about these things. But the reality is, this is a pretty crazy concept, right? That we believe in a guy that says he's the son of God, that came from God, the father, or whatever. Like, man, that's weird. And then he lived a sinless life, and he died, and he rose, and he said we can have access to God because of, because of, that, uh, because of what he did. Like, is that crazy? That's like the craziest thing I've heard. I can't even believe we believe that. And we don't even talk about that. We talk about, she goes, yeah. And like one time, like, they told me, like, I didn't give enough. I said, yeah, I can't believe it. We churches sometimes do. I'm so sorry because it's really not about that. It's about this guy. And I repeated the whole thing again. And people are, like, walking through like this, like, wow, what's going on here? The pastor's going crazy. It's about this repentance and turning from where we're at. And a lot of times it takes us to respond to big fish moments in our lives where we're engulfed. Now the beauty of this story goes back to last week is you don't need the big fish moments. Learn from Jonah. If God says do something, just do it. And then if you know and you find yourself kind of walking away from it, like, ah, God, I think I'll try to find another plan for you over here with my boats over here. Like, don't get on the boat. 
See how far we're walking away from what God is doing and He will ultimately send a big fish to engulf you, to encompass you. Go, is this going to get your attention? Now, I don't know about you. I don't ever want to be in a fish for three days. How many of you want to be? How many of you felt like you've been in a fish for three days? I'm not going to ask why. Just raise your hand. Oh my, yeah, 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 a lot of you. Not pleasant, right? Would you, would you do that again? No. But God's grace is so amazing. Things we can learn today is grace is super messy, right? Again, it looks different for sunflower shine, sunshine on my sunflower than Jean, Grandma Jean, different, right? She needs grace for wearing her Vikings purple underneath her Packers shirt. She needs grace for that. It's fine. We'll give it to you. Looks very different. It's super messy for some people, right? You know, when you look at other people and go, well, why did they get that? And that's You read the story of the Bible with this picture of grace flowing through it, and then it makes the prodigal son story way different. It makes, it makes a lot of these stories way different. Because we're always going, well, it's, it just doesn't look right. It's not the same. Oh, they don't, they got something different. Spoiler alert. Close your ears if you don't want to hear. If you've never read the book of Jonah, chapter 4, we find Jonah going, God, you're not doing it right. You saved me, I get that. Thank you, homeboy. Yeah. But don't don't save those people. That's not the way you should do it. That's why grace is so messy. It's so disgusting for some people. And it's so amazing for others. But grace is constantly consistent in each and every one of our lives. That's why we sing the song. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. And we sing it. And if you ever let me want to go, amazing grace, that's so disgusting. But it's my story. Thank you, Penelope. It's not. I once was lost. I just changed the key on your pad. But now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Right? That's what it was with Jonah when he was stuck in that stupid whale. He experienced this stuff. So we sing songs like this that are like, oh, that's all song. I'm going to dare you as we stand right now, as we stand right now, as we stand right now, sing this song and not see Jonah and not see your story. This isn't some story written a long time ago. This is a story written today. It's written for you, Dewey. It's written for you, Jack. Kim. It's your story. You wrote it. How sweet the sound. I'm going to ask uh, David and Molly. Would you guys come up? If people are be over here. David and Molly, you're going to be on this side. Um, if you need prayer for anything as we close... Please come up and get prayer. And if too many people come up, then I'm going to ask Tim and Lisa are going to come up, okay? So you're on your plan B, okay? Um, people need prayer. Um, 
I want to encourage you to just soak this in. The song is your song. This is an amazing thing. Our ushers are going to be on. Oh, darn it. I just hear the usher, too. Tim, you're going to have to be an usher. Um,